What do you do when you hit problems so big that it brings life to a screeching halt? Life could be running smooth and things could be going well and then all of a sudden something abrupt happens. We all hit pivotal circumstances where something happens and it changes the direction or the course of our lives. For me, a big pivotal moment was my teenage years when my family split up. I've got two sisters, so we were a family of five. And uh, during my early teen years, my parents split up and the kids split up too, actually. So, you know, we all split up and we lived in two houses across town. And uh, partway through this new normal, I think I was probably around age 13 or so, uh, my relational tension reached a boiling point and then I switched houses. So I, I was the middle child and the only son. And so I went from living with one parent and sister to moving to live with the other parent and sister, other sister. And this was not a pretty transition for me. This was, uh, you know, everyone had their own relational dynamics and a lot of what I was contributing was pretty damaging too. And this was, a, you know, the, the breaking up and the transition, these, these, were, these were really pivotal circumstances in my life. And I had a lot of emotions swirling on the inside and I had really no clue how to express it. So I stuffed it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't really know what to do. I went internal. I went dark and people that were close to me, I didn't talk about it at all. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really know what to do. And this really started a cycle of handling my emotions in an unhelpful way. So some of those experiences combined with a lot of my own sin and my own selfishness that's, that just comes naturally in my heart, that combination calcified and really hardened some damaging ways of relating that I have carried with me for many years. And after I got married, um, some, of, some of this began to surface in a much more visible way. And so over, over the years of being married, it's, it's, this has required a long, painful process of uncoiling some of my damaging strategies and some of my just really rough tendencies of relating. And praise God, this past week, my wife and I celebrated 14 years of marriage, which is, I'm very grateful for that. And praise God also, I, I don't hold any grudges against my, any of my family members. In fact, I've had really good conversations with both my parents and my sisters over the years, a lot of good talks. And, uh, there, but there are moments when things from my past create ongoing problems for me in the present. And when that happens, or there, there have been times when I've questioned God about this. And I've, there's moments when I've felt frustrated about the way that things have panned out for me. Nobody gets to live a pain-free life. And today, we're going to look at a topic that may be on the heavier side. But if you've ever walked through fire, or if you're walking through a lot of trouble right now, I think you might be able to find a message of hope in what we talk about today. Welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you leave any contact info, I'd, I'll, I'll drop you a note and say hello. I'd love just to, to meet you virtually. We're in a series of messages called Catalysts. And each week, over the past few weeks, we've identified things that grow our faith in God. We first looked at private disciplines with a real focus on prayer. Uh, then we looked at practical teaching. And that's really focusing on living out the Bible in the way that deepens our faith. 
we looked at providential relationships and how people can challenge us to walk closer with God. And last week we looked at personal ministry. Um, we looked at the impact of giving ourselves for others and, and how, uh, what, what that does when we, we really seek to benefit other people. And these things are all catalysts because they help us to trust God at a much faster rate. It really catalyzes our, our trust in Him because each of these are things that we can do that will deepen our faith. Today, another catalyst that we're going to look at is pivotal circumstances. And we'll be looking at how trouble in life, it has the potential to be the doorway to a much richer walk with God. One perspective on this comes from a well-known author, C.S. Lewis, and he writes about pain in life. And he says that, he says, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain does have a way of causing us to ask questions that we would normally, we wouldn't really be bothered to, to ask when life is going really well. So I think sometimes pain does have a potential to deepen our walk with God, but I think it also, it could actually repel us or maybe fortify a resistance to God. For some people, the concept of God is something that hangs somewhat in the background and maybe a bit of a hazy picture. But painful circumstances bring some of those God questions into sharp focus. Trouble strikes and a person might ask, how could God let this happen? There's questions. When you lose a parent or when you get cancer at age 40 or when a child gets a severe devastating sickness. Or it could be criticism and attacks on your reputation. It could be financial or job loss. It could be ongoing health problems. It's very natural for us to ask in those moments, or maybe even to demand, why is this happening? Why? This seems meaningless. This just is, is brutal to, to go through and to endure. Why is this happening? I can't see any good coming out of this. And in the pain, I think we need to know that there's some kind of good that would come out of it. I think we need, to, we need to know that there's some hope in the misery that we walk through. Otherwise, we live with an internal tension and just, just uh, an angst, just asking questions about why. And the mere passing of time, well, while it does heal some things, it doesn't totally heal everything, and it doesn't completely erase those questions that we have, or, or sometimes the anger towards God that grows. What may start as questioning can turn into frustration. That can turn into bitterness towards people or towards God. But there truly is hope. I have firmly come to believe that when we trust the Lord, every second of our misery is meaningful. Every second of our misery is totally meaningful. When we walk through pain and trouble, God is growing something in us. God is intentionally using the pain. That means he allows it. I think sometimes he even designs it himself, which that's, that's kind of a wild thought to think about. When we walk in the path of obedience, when we really aim to live according to his ways, to really to, to live for his glory, we don't endure misery for nothing. It's not just about gritting our teeth, trucking on, and then just adding another brick to the wall of bitterness that we've been building.
to see how this works, we can find huge, just a, there's a rich discussion about suffering in the pages of the Bible. But I'm going to focus on two key aspects. And first, our pain and our affliction in life is doing something now. There's hope to know that there's something happening right now through our pain. God is doing something in us. We have to see it differently. We need to correct the way that we see our trouble. The author of Hebrews in the Bible, it's a book in the Bible, it, it tells us how to do this. It says, endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? Now, I don't know who likes discipline, <laughs> who likes being disciplined by someone or experiencing it. Sometimes we discipline ourselves, but I, you know, I'd, I'd rather that God would grow me. If he's going to grow me, wouldn't he grow me in some nice ways? <laughs> Couldn't he train me in comfortable ways that I like? This passage urges us to consider the illustration of a father disciplining a son. So imagine, imagine a 13-year-old boy who gets everything, every little thing that he asks for, every little pleasure, every food, takeout, snack, candy. He gets every whim, every electronic device, every subscription, every amount of time on the internet that he wants. He has no boundaries. This boy is never told no. And he's just, every comfort and convenience is made available to him. And that goes on through his teenage years. How do you think life would pan out for this boy? How would, how would things go for him? How would the rest of his life go? Now imagine another 13-year-old boy whose father is very engaged in the training of his son and that the dad is very willing to say no, even though that's sometimes difficult. Um, this dad is even willing to discipline himself, his son when the son is doing damage to the family or to himself or to his friends. The father has a certain kind of love for his son, he's willing to do the hard training in order to bring about a stronger life, bring about good relationships and long-term blessing. But it really comes through the discomfort of discipline. So in Hebrews, it goes on to say, no discipline seems enjoyable in, at, the, at the time, but painful. Of course, we know that. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If we've stepped into the family of God, he views us as sons and daughters. And God is determined to train us. Lovingly, he does it lovingly, but he's determined to do that, even if it means using difficulty to discipline and to strengthen us. Knowing that we have a tendency to forget about this, we have a tendency to resist any kind of discipline and difficulty and training. And so in Hebrews, it also says, you know, and you've forgotten the exhortation or the encouragement, the urging that addresses you as sons. This is in, there's a quotation here. It says, My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or don't lose heart when you are reproved by him or disciplined. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves or punishes and punishes everyone he, every son he receives. We tend to respond to God's discipline in different ways depending on how intense it is. So if we're having some trouble, but it's sort of mild, we might take it lightly. We just shrug it off, just kind of ignore it. Maybe God's trying to get our attention, but we take it lightly, like it says in Hebrews. Or we might lose heart. If it's really damaging or discouraging, or if there's loss, we might freak out and give up or just go slack-handed or, or get depressed. And then if it's really bad, if we really feel ripped off, 
we might despise it. We might we say, I hate this. I hate what's happening right now. I just, I want to get out of it and I don't know why it's happening. This is actually, this is even described in the Bible, this tendency to react in this way. We could take it lightly, we could lose heart, or we could really despise it. Or we can keep a soft heart. We could lean into God and cooperate with what he's doing in our life. And I'd like you to hear an example of what this looks like. You're going to hear from Suzanne. Suzanne is a woman. Uh, she's a woman on our launch team. She's uh, part of a family that got helped, helped our church get started. And uh, a few years ago, she went through a real severe difficulty. And she's able to express some of the ways that she thinks God was using it in her life. So take a listen. I injured my back and my it was causing spasms every time I moved. I went to the emergency room. Um, they basically just gave me a lot of pain medication and sent me home. All I could do was lay in bed. I couldn't take care of myself, much less my family. I didn't know what else to do because I knew I needed help from the continuous pain that I was in. So I was in bed for probably about three weeks before I started physical therapy, like 12 weeks. I believe I did two rounds of six weeks of therapy. The world around me was continuing on and I wasn't able to be a part of it. So that is really when I started to battle a lot of enemy thoughts. Yeah, I would say it probably was one of the hardest times of my life. A lot of times, not just the physical pain, but then the mental battle that I had to go through. The pain was excruciating. I didn't think I could continue in this pattern of all this pain for a long amount of time. I didn't know when it would end. It's not what I want. <laughs> that It definitely was not what I wanted. I wanted to be with my kids and with my husband and with my family and um, to be doing our normal things together and yet I was stuck in bed. So there was a lot of questioning of God of well, why is this happening to me? Um, when is it going to end? <laughs> um, what, what should my next steps be? I had a lot of time on my hands because I was just in bed and so I knew the one thing I had to do was get in God's Word and spend as much time with Him as I could because there had to be a reason why I was just laying here. And so I started slowly reading through James and um, it was a really slow read because I think every verse I was reading was hitting me and teaching me exactly what I needed to hear and what I needed to know. It's in James it says, um, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And so I just kept praying for God to really grow steadfastness in me um, through this um, testing of my faith. If we read more on in James, it says, because steadfastness will make you complete, lacking nothing. And so it was, I knew I needed to get to that place where I was complete. Then I also knew that um, in James it says your faith is active and I didn't know how I could be active laying here in bed but yet I knew like while I was in his word and I was 
praying and I was learning from him that my faith was growing, that I was learning to trust him in that. I wish I could have learned the things I learned without it. Would I have? Probably not. Um, I always remind myself that God uses these things for his good and for his glory. And so I trust him in that. Yeah, so it's not over. It's not healed. It's not done. Um, I still struggle on a daily basis um, with back pain. Some days are better than others, and I'm grateful for that. Um, I think one thing I have learned as well is to just continue to praise God, praise Him for what He's doing, praise Him for the good days, and even praise Him for the ones that are hard, because I know He's with me. I know He has me in this place for a reason. I do know that I can trust Him. I do know that He won't leave me. Um, he didn't in those darkest times he was there with me through our pain god is training us he's using it for our good and our blessing if we if we trust him and if we look to see the good that he's doing so in your life what good might god be working out what painful or difficult things might he be using to shape you right now for those who entrust their lives to the Lord, every second of our misery is meaningful. It's doing something. It, it does something in us now. And here's the next point. It's doing something in eternity. Now, this is far more significant than what we just talked about. Look at what Paul said when he wrote to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4.17, he said, For our momentary light affliction... Affliction meaning trouble, pain, difficulty, problem. Which he, he says it's momentary and it's light, like it's not heavy. Our affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So what Paul would say is that the utter misery, just the horrible pain that we have walked through, he would call it light. That's what? Momentary? He's, he's basically saying it's not a big deal which is crazy. It almost feels insulting that this would be said of us. This excruciating pain, this, these big problems that I'm facing, that I'm grinding through, are light? Well, Paul's able to say this because of his perspective on eternity. He says, our misery is light in comparison to the unbelievable good that's awaiting us in heaven. He says, there's an absolutely incomparable eternal weight. There's this heavy, incredible thing waiting for us in heaven that's being produced by our pain our affliction is producing this glory that we're working towards well you might say that would be great but i don't believe it i can't see it i can't see the good i can't see any of the good right now in what i'm going through well paul says of course of course you can't see what it's doing that's why his very next statement it says so we do not focus on what is seen the things going on in our life right now, the situations, the circumstances, the physical world. But we focus on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The hope of a true Christian is that our affliction is producing for us right now a distinct kind of glory because of, because of it, because of the pain we walk through. Our glory is, is being built up right now 
up and away in a place where we can't see just quite yet. It doesn't matter if it's cancer or if it's criticism. It doesn't matter if it's financial loss or relational wreckage. It doesn't even matter if it stems out of my own fallen, sinful nature and its self-inflicted pain and difficulty, which I carry a lot of. Like I was saying from my past, there's things that I carry into my future that causes all kinds of problems. My pain isn't meaningless. It's doing something right now. It's working for us an eternal weight of glory. And this is the case for all that have submitted their lives to Jesus. Some are still on the journey. Some people are still on the spiritual journey of trying to decide if they want God to be the ruler of their lives. And for the person who has just rejected God and decided, no, I'm, I'm not doing life his way, there is no eternal glory coming. The sad reality is that life apart from God means that all the misery will amount to nothing. There will be no good side of the story. It will be meaningless. The fire we walk through will consume us. For most of us, when we're living through pain and trouble, it stirs up some questions. Is God really there? I mean, I've been, I've been believing in him, but through this situation, is he there? And if he is, can he be trusted? Really? Can I trust him with what's going on right now? I'm not sure if my trouble and trusting God can fit together in my life right now. Sometimes it seems like my pain is evidence that God can't be trusted. Well, this really does bring us close to one of the key aspects of the Christian life. Will I trust God even when bad things are happening? We have a very real enemy that seeks to, well, he's, he speaks to our minds, urging us to mistrust God and to turn on him. It would be a very unusual thing to say, even if this pain continues, I believe that God is not going to rip me off. He will be good to me. He is good. That kind of statement or position is really what it means to have faith. This is why pivotal circumstances can deepen our trust in God. We've got to decide if we're going to develop a stronger conviction. Trouble is a catalyst he uses that causes our faith to grow. There's a song that beautifully captures this concept of faith. And uh, there's uh, some people from our church have recorded this song. And so you're going to get to listen to that right now and the lyrics will come up on the screen. So um, we're going to play through this song. It's called Though You Slay Me and reflect on it as you hear the words or read them on your screen if you're watching right now. My hope is that the heart of this song stirs you to deepen your trust in God whenever the storm hits. So take a listen. Oh, 
wonderful hope that comes from knowing that God is doing something in me. It just gives purpose and meaning behind what I'm going through. When we walk through the fire, the most helpful and practical response is to praise God. It's very easy to lose heart. It's very easy to get swallowed up in depression and, and, to, and to freak out. It's very easy also to get hard-hearted and to get bitter and angry and frustrated and, and resistant we can get buried in that stuff and that can become the thing that consumes us and defines us I don't want that another part of the Bible James the half-brother of Jesus he writes and he gives us a better way to respond than all of that he says consider it a great joy my brothers and sisters Whenever you experience various trials, problems, difficulties, hurdles, fire, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Again, there's something being produced by it, something good that's developing in us. It says, let endurance have its full effect so that you may become mature and complete, lacking nothing. My pain, my misery, I'm supposed to consider that a great joy? That's what he says. Consider it a great joy when you walk through all that stuff. That seems like it makes no sense. 
But imagine, imagine being able to walk through all kinds of trouble, but still have hope. Imagine having a real reason to sing, to lift your heart in song. In the path of obedience to God, there is purpose to our pain. Every second of our misery is totally meaningful. God's using it for our good. God never wastes a hurt. We've been made new, we're cared for by a good and loving Father. Therefore, don't lose heart. There are some things that we can do. If God is growing something and developing something in us, there's ways that we can lean into it and cooperate with Him. One thing that might be helpful as a starting point is to process your pain with somebody. Maybe it would be helpful to talk to somebody that you think's reasonably got a good head on their shoulders and can help you process this in a wise way. Another thing might be to make a mental decision now and each day this week that whenever I'm tempted to doubt God's goodness or to doubt his existence or that he's for me, I will say in that moment, I will declare my confidence in him. He will be good to me. Maybe your confidence in God has been at a certain level over the past. You've seen his faithfulness and you've seen him come through with some things, but this new thing is a whole other level. Trusting him, you've not done that here in this way. To declare your trust in him at that point, that will, really, that will cause your faith to deepen in such an amazing and beautiful way. Another thing that might be helpful is to grab a hold of a verse to memorize. Maybe one of the ones that we looked at today. Or find a song to sing. <laughs> we can capture strength and power when we sing songs that are all about, that, that really do capture the heart of faith that we need. So let us take these truths and day by day focus on them, put our minds on it. Just remind ourselves, intentionally set our minds on it until our hearts can sing with confidence that God is good and deeply cares for me. Let's pray together. Father, you are good and totally trustworthy. I've seen that and I've experienced that over and over in my life. And I've seen it lived out in the lives of many people. And uh, it's real hard to declare that when things are going extremely bad. And I pray, Lord, for those that are watching and listening now, that their trust in you would deepen as they lean into you, not run away or shrug it off or despise the discipline or the challenge or the difficulty, but to consider it joy. Help us to do this. Give us the grace by your Holy Spirit to do that. And for those that are considering whether or not you are good, would you demonstrate your faithfulness in a way that would be totally convincing and that um, those on the spiritual journey would yield and put their trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next time.